Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hi there, you're listening to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Uh, This is a show where we talk about building a business from a book and launching a successful book and all the things. And today I have Becky Robinson as my guest. And she is the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence. And it's a full service marketing agency. It's been around over a decade and it specializes in doing marketing and PR for authors, uh, business leaders. Uh, She's done over 150 launches. Now she's got her own book. And the thing that I found very intriguing and wonderful about her is her book, which is called Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, is all about helping authors not just launch a book, but leave a lasting impact with their book. How do you, how can you actually get your message out there without kind of seeking fame? How do you make your message more important than you? And how do you make it just not be one and done, but something that can serve you for the rest of your life as your impact your message that you're here to say. She also has a podcast, the book marketing. It's it's a book marketing podcast. She has a million other things. So you want to go and grab the show notes, which you can get at legacylaunchpadpub.com slash blog slash Becky. So please go listen in on my conversation with Becky Robinson. Such a pleasure. As I told you, I'm about to blow your mind with how much we have in common. Um, So Becky, thank you for being here. I'm so glad to be here with you today, Anna. Well, so I'm fascinated by your story. We, We do something super similar. We graduated from college the same year. We both majored in creative writing, and I literally have never met someone else who did. I did it because it was easy. Did you do it for better reasons? Well, it's a little funny, the story. So all throughout college, I always wanted to write and I wanted to do writing as a major, but my parents kept on pushing me to do something that would make money. And so for a while, I was a mass comm major. I was a secondary ed English major. And then I discovered that if I switched my major to creative writing, I could graduate in three and a half years and I wanted to get married. And I also always wanted that as my major anyway. Nice. Uh, yeah. My parents were like, well, first of all, they were like, do not go to a liberal arts school. Please 
please go get like an MBA or a GD, anything but what you're planning on doing. And look, we showed them, we became entrepreneurs who also write, right? Amazing. Yes. I think my mom had no idea. Yeah. I, okay. So this is what I love about your message is you talk about building an audience, but it's about having lasting impact. And I think in this world where people just think like they can buy followers, like, what is it about? Tell me what about this idea about, it's always about expanding your audience, but also having a lasting impact. Sure. Well, I think that a lot of people get focused on the wrong things at times, Anna. And they think, you know, if I can create some content that goes viral, you know, that will be satisfying. And, you know, I really want to create content for people who are interested in something that's a lot more significant than just, you know, a moment of fame. And I'm hoping to shift people's mindsets so so that they can see the amazing positive impact they can have in the world if they choose to show up in a different way with a different set of goals. And the truth is a lot of the people I meet, most of the clients I serve and the authors I interact with, most of them, you know, if you dig deeper, they want to have that lasting impact. You know, I'll have people come to me and they'll say, you know, I wrote a book, but it's, I don't want to be famous. I want these ideas to be famous. And the way to make ideas famous is to have them out in the world over a long period of time. How long? You know, as long as it takes, Anna. Yeah. Um, In my book, I share a story about a guy named David Cooper Ryder. And David has written a lot of books. I bet you've never heard his name. Nope. You haven't, but his ideas have literally gone around the world. So in the early 80s, he wrote a a dissertation and his topic was appreciative inquiry, which maybe some of your listeners have heard of. And what he did early on is he decided that he wouldn't copyright his ideas. Instead, he would make his ideas free for anyone to use. And so over many years, there are countless books, articles, programs, initiatives, Literally, his idea that he decided to set free has reached people for decades. So, and how did he do that? How did he get his ideas circulated without getting his name circulated? You know, it's a good question. Um, I mean, in some circles, people know David Cooper Ryder's name. There are academic institutions named after him. But I think, you know, one of the ideas is if your idea is good enough um, and if you have some combination of exposure for them early, then they can take off and have momentum. And I think what's also interesting about that is there's so much, especially in traditional publishing, there's so much, so much emphasis on the launch. You better be a bestseller in your launch. And it's like, no, this book lasts forever. So it's not about the launch. And I I think a lot of people get discouraged because whatever they expect to happen that week or that month doesn't happen. How do you continue to perpetuate uh, your ideas as time goes on? You just keep saying them? Well, that's that's a good question, Anna. And what what I'll say is I've noticed the same thing as you, that authors really do put an undue emphasis on launch. That said, I do think the launch is important because it gives you that early momentum. It's the one time that you have the opportunity to shamelessly ask for the sale or shamelessly ask for support. People get it. Your book just came out and you want help and support. So while you do want to have some emphasis on launch, you don't want to get too tied up in the results. And I encourage authors, and it's, it's a bit of a leap. You know, at first, they're only thinking in terms of launch. I ask them to think about two years. 
Um, however, uh, there's also this idea that if you, if, if you love your message or if your book matters, you want to be married to that message. Well, marriage is for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think authors need to shift their mindset, you know, not only, you know, I coach them, look beyond launch, look at one or two years and how you're going to keep your book in the world over that period of time. And then after that, you know, a book is an evergreen product in most cases. The content in it will be useful and valuable to people, not only in the first month, the first three months, the first year, but for many years to come. So you had asked, how do you keep momentum for that message over a long period of time? One of the things I like to talk with authors about is really thinking about on a quarterly basis, what are some ways that I can add value to the world through this message? And that's a little bit less overwhelming than thinking, you know, I have to keep promoting my book forever. Mm -hmm. It's more thinking about, you know, in what way can I add to what people are thinking about, needing, wanting, interested in, and how can I do that with the message of my book? in in unique ways, quarter by quarter with something new planned to get the message out. The other thing is that within the book, there is a wealth of content that can be repurposed into different formats over time. And so I like authors to think about their work as a flexible asset that can be expanded upon, it can be reshaped, and if you're continually growing the audiences that you're connected with, the content will be new as new people follow you. So a book like, say, The Seven Habits of highly effective people, that book has been a perennial seller. Well, the reason is because it's evergreen, but likely the other reason is because there's been visibility for the content over time where people continue to talk about the value that it adds to them. So how do you find new ways? Do you look at what's going on in the news? Do you say, well, I'm going to make a video about this, all of the above? Well, I think part of it, you know, honestly, sometimes ties back to how actively you're using the content in your life and business. And so my guess is if you've written a book like I have that represents the work that you do day in and day out, there will be new questions that come up. There will be new stories that you are exposed to, you know, there will be, um, you know, a new way that you land on saying something. Even since my book, you know, went to print, I have new insights that come. So I think if, if the message in the book that you've written is powerful enough that you're building your life around it anyway, those ways of bringing the book into the conversation will be obvious. And, you know, for some, it may be because there's a connection to a story that's happening in real time. And then for others, it may just be like, like I said, those stories that happen to pop up. So in my book, I tell the story of a friend that I met in the early days of my online presence, and his name is Tan Mavor. And yesterday I had a call to catch up with him. And in our conversation, there was more that ties to some key ideas that I'm constantly wanting to share. And so by having that conversation, you know, I have a new story I can tell. And so let's talk about your book. By the time y'all hear this, I'm going to release this launch week. So go grab the book now. Is it in audio? Because these are audio people. Well, it sure is. In fact, Anna, I narrated the book in audio myself. It was such a fun experience. So yes, the book is available. Fun, but hard. It was hard. Right? I mean, maybe not as hard as I expected. It was like hard for different reasons. So I found it hard because I did it at home and the, the 
production team was remote. So they were in my ears and I was reading the book and there are more noises in your house than, you know, like the furnace kicking on or the refrigerator turning on or the dog running across the ceiling or, you know, um, so it was hard for that reason. We did it in chunks of two hours at a time. Um, and I found it to be a joy more than anything else because it reintroduced me to the book that I had set aside for a while. And it gave me this kind of new awareness of, wow, I said what I wanted to say in the way I wanted to say it. And like, what a gift it is to be able to publish a book. So it was joyful for me. Um, but at any rate, yes, my book launched this week. It is available in print. It's available on, you know, digital, like ebook, Kindle, whatever, and audiobook. All three are available this week. What's interesting about you, particularly in in this concept of your ideas last forever, you have helped hundreds of people launch books, but it looks like this is your very first one yourself. It is. Yes. So let's talk about that. It's an interesting way to approach it. I also find your story really interesting that you basically stumbled across this by, you know, going on social media um, and this concept of building an audience. And then did people come to you and say, hey, I need help building my audience. I'm going to do that with a book. How, how did this all come about? Sure. I'm happy to share. So I had been doing some freelance writing and freelance social media marketing after stepping out of the workforce to care for my three young kids. My youngest at the time was about two years old when I started doing some online work, um, got hired to do some social media marketing. Eventually, I had a gig with a leadership consultant, and my first project was to launch his book. And after I kind of figured out, okay, here's how you can use social media to create momentum, to build a launch team, all the things that we do with authors, um, I did start to have people come to me and say, hey, I saw what you did on that book. Could I hire you? And for a while, I said, no, you know, sometimes it wasn't the right fit, like the vibe or the content. And then, you know, one day I got introduced to this woman named Whitney Johnson. And some of your listeners may have heard of her, Anna, maybe you've read one of her books. Um, there was just something about her that was so compelling to me. At the time, she was not very well known. Now she's among the top 10 thinkers in the world as listed by the Thinkers 50. And she's just had a tremendous rise from, you know, relative um, obscurity on the internet to really being pretty well known in business circles. And there was something when I met her, I just loved her. And it was enough to get me to say, okay, you know, I'll take this project on. And it was taking her project on that gave me a vision to build the business. And then everything else came from there. So hers was among the first books that we launched when I founded my company. And then, like you said, since then about 150 more launches until we got to mine. It was 2012, just about 10 years ago. That's a lot of books. It's a lot of books, about 20 per year. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. And and when you say launch, they had publishers or you were doing the layout and the cover and the launch and all of that? Oh, got it. So we're talking about the marketing side of the got launch. It. I would say of the authors that we've served over the past decade, at least two thirds are traditionally published authors, maybe about another third are self-published authors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And what does a launch look like? How do you, I, I know each one is its own baby, but what do you do when you get a client? Sure. So it really depends upon their needs and resources and, you know, what they come to us with and what support they need. Um, But it could encompass any or all of the following. It could encompass book marketing strategy. So I just finished up an engagement with some authors. Their book is coming out in a month. And we just did a really fast deep dive on what do you need to do when to market the book and launch it successfully. Now, in that case, we wouldn't count that toward our launches. Um, In terms of the 150 books we've launched, that would really typically include a deeper relationship of us implementing services on an author's behalf. Um, One of our key services is creating a launch team for authors. And so we've developed a list of about 3,200 people, and they're mostly just everyday people who like to read who are a part of our circles, who look to us to get great content to read. And so when when an author comes to us and they want us to build a launch team, we go out to that permission-based list of people and say, hey, we've got a book to launch. We're looking for reviewers. Would you commit to get an early copy, write an Amazon review, share the book on social media, host the book in some other way? And so for most books, we recommend a launch team of at least 100 people. And then we see that about 10 to 40% of those people will leave an Amazon review in the first month. There's no financial compensation to the team. They're merely doing it for the joy of books, for the opportunity to get books before they uh, are out to the public. So that's one of the components of our launch approach. We also create a lot of social media graphics and assets to help an author mobilize their own network to share their books. Uh, We do have a media relations department, so we pitch our authors for articles and interviews like this one. You know, we might help our authors uh, create print collateral like bookmarks and book plates and banners. I'm just showing you, you can't see this if you're listening, but I have a huge seven-foot banner of my book cover. You know, anything that an author could do to expand awareness of their book at launch and beyond, we do. And honestly, Anna, what we love more than working with an author only to launch their book is partnering with them over the long haul to share their ideas with the world. So we also have what we call our legacy clients who are people who work with us month after month, year after year. They might launch two or three or four books with us as they seek to grow their thought leadership or build their business. That is genius. And then tell me about Hometown Reads. How does that play into it? And what is it? Let's tell the listeners. Oh, so at the moment, unfortunately, we're not um, fueling Hometown Reads Mm. as an organization. But a few years ago, I had this idea that one way to get more exposure for authors is to help them get more connected with their local audiences. And so we invested in and built a website and helped uh, reach out to authors in many locations. I think there's 130 locations or something like that that are listed on Hometown Reads. But unfortunately, uh, during the pandemic, the Hometown Reads did not have any financial model associated with it. And it's um, at the moment, it's on hold um, until such a time as I can have the time, energy, and money to invest in it again. Such a good idea. You know, Barnes and Noble now doesn't really do pay for play and it's all curated locally. So it just, and and I interviewed the CEO recently and he just talked about, well, well, we, what we look to is what are the big, what's the big deal book in Boise, Idaho? Who's the local author, that kind of thing, because he's like, we don't know the national people don't know. So I just feel like book uh, marketing is getting so localized that it just bring that one back. 
Yeah, I would love to. You know, I have a ton of passion around the idea because I think what often happens is authors, even me, you know, we're unknown by the people in our local areas. We have a lot that we can add. And what what would be better than sitting down across the table with someone to talk about the ideas that they've written about in the book? So I was really hoping to fuel this connection where people who love to read could connect in person because of the local uh, connection and, and really have the chance to Ah, sorry. I don't know if you edit. Oops. Oh, no. Well, no, you're fantastic. I think people just like the organic conversation. Well, so, so speaking of, when did you start your podcast? Let's see. We are in our third season of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, uh, which if it's the third season, that must mean it's the third year. So maybe in 2020, we started the podcast. And, and so anybody listening to this would surely love that. I think you probably talk about a lot of the same things that I do. Is it mostly interview sometimes it's solo? How does it work? Yeah. So when we first started, and if you go back to those early episodes, what you're going to see is the first few were just me talking and I hated it. My original vision was to give people a few action items in each episode that they could take and implement. But I just hated the process of, you know, logging into Zoom on my own, hitting the record button and talking. Um, And so we were not too far into the podcast before I had my VP of client services join me. And that was better. Like I loved it. Like Chris, Christy and I could talk, we could give advice. And then, you know, I think someone asked me if they could be a guest. We weren't intending to do guests. And what I found is that I really light up. I love doing guests. Now, here's an interesting side note for you. I actually use the podcast in my process of writing my book. So as I shaped the table of contents and as I thought about the stories I wanted to include, I had those interviews on the podcast do double duty. And so there are a number of podcasts from last season where I interviewed the person on the podcast, I took the transcript, and I incorporated some of those stories into the book. And then not only that, but when people um, buy my book, there's a QR code at the end of every chapter. Or if you're listening to the audiobook, there's a spoken URL at the end of every chapter. When people scan the QR code or type in the URL, they're going to get to a Kajabi course. And in the course, we've gathered all these additional resources for the book, including if you read someone's story in the chapter, you then in the course have the opportunity to listen to the longer interview. So I planned that in advance. And, you know, not all the interviews made it onto the podcast. So anyone who buys the book can get those extra interviews that aren't available to the public. Oh, that's so good. I told you, you're a woman after my own heart. Not only that, but I do everything on Kajabi too, which just, you know, the commonalities can uh, awesome. stop. Um, so, and so your book, how long did you spend working on your book? Sure. Well, so you had asked me, how is it that I launched 150 books and I never wrote one? I think part of it was I spent so much energy building the business that it never felt like I had time to write my own book. Now, that said, I wrote a ton of ebooks. So if you visit weavinginfluence.com, we have a lot of free resources and ebooks. It's not like I wasn't writing. Um, in some ways, I feel like this is just the right time for me to have written the book. Um, but it, so the story for me is I got this idea that I'd like to publish the book at the 10 year anniversary of my company. And so I did the work backwards. I always wanted to be traditionally published. I do a lot of work with a publisher called Barrett Kohler Publishers. Um, They know me really well. 
They turned me down on book proposals before, but I did all the math of when do I have to get my proposal done to publish my book in um, the summer or spring of 2022 for the 10-year anniversary. Um, so I, I did my proposal in December of 2020. Um, I signed my contract in February of 2021. My first draft was due in July of 2021, and now my book will be published in April of 2022. So it was, for traditionally publishing, that was a pretty tight timeline of 14 months from the time I signed my contract to the book's publication. I usually coach authors that traditional publication takes more like 18 to 24 months, but mine was pretty fast. That's a very fast deadline. So had you, did you have most of it written? Oh no. When I um, wrote the proposal, I had one chapter written. Wow. Yeah. I've, with my six traditionally published books, it was minimum two years between acquisition and launch. So they must be excited about it. Um, Well, maybe. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's just the timeline that we agreed upon when I signed the contract and it works out okay. I think in retrospect, when I think about what I did to get all the work done, like no wonder I'm tired. (laughs) No wonder I'm tired. There was a global pandemic. I did, you know, however many podcast interviews, you know, wrote a 220 page book, um, all of that. Yeah. I, and I should say that, um, the, the, let's just call it strategy that you talked about with the QR code at the end of every book that leads to a course. I did an episode about how Pat Flynn did that and ended up just making $300,000 as a result of, so anyone listening who says, well, this is great. I always talk about this, but just like, how do I make money? Cause I don't want to be broke. He did a thing where, and I'll link to it in the show notes where, yeah, he had a free course. And then that free course led to a paid course. And then boy, did he make back his investment in some. So there's, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if you have a paid course that links to the free course. Well, I have a paid course that predates my publication of this book and my content in this book. I created a course in 2016. Um, We haven't spent a ton of energy to sell it. And there's part of me that thinks I should just give it away. So a very strong core value of mine is generosity. And I like deeply believe that it's not possible to give away too much free content. Um, And, you know, people often comment like, wow, you give away a lot of content. But, you know, what I really want to do the most is to help people um, expand their messages. And we can't, as an organization, we can't possibly take on all the work that comes our way. Um, So giving away more is just a a fun way uh, to get to know and help more people. And, you know, fun fact, it always comes back tenfold. It's just the, it's just the law of the universe. It always does. And I think you have a lot more fun and enjoyment along the way if you don't count it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so you have a team, you have full-time employees. I do. So, um, Before the pandemic, I had 12 full-time employees. At the moment, I have eight. And then we also have a contract team that extends to about 20 to 25 people working with our clients at any given time. Um, Well, this is fantastic. We have to wrap up. So you all go get get, I did an intro before, by the way, I didn't tell you that, um, go get Becky's book. Uh, if people want to find you work with you, all the things, what's the best place to go to aside from the show notes. 
Sure. Weavinginfluence.com is my company website, and you can find out all about the services that we have for authors. You can also find out about our Reach More Readers workshop, which is a two-day workshop where authors can connect in community with each other and learn the basics of book marketing. So all the things that we offer on weavinginfluence.com. But if you want to get to know a bit more about me personally, I would encourage you to go to beckyrobinson.com. I love it. I'm going to come to your Reach More Readers Workshop. That sounds amazing. I would love to have you. I'll be there. Um, Well, Becky, thank you so much. Um, And you all, thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company Legacy Launchpad Publishing is available to help industry leaders those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing, just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.